Ev, we're zooming in for mm-hmm. pas deux. Pas deux. Trying to do a little spin on my French. <laughs> Multi-course meal for this one. <laughs> oh, yes. I always love the part twos because they're so good. You can't yeah. have Marty Blitz without mm-hmm. Marianne. Right. So He's today, you guys, we have an iconic culinary businesswoman that um, really is the heart and soul of Tampa Bay cuisine uh, alongside Marty. Their story is unbelievable. It's it's the lesson that you should learn about when you care about somebody, love and respect them. Your relationship can transcend all kinds of things. So enjoy every moment. She's amazing. Make sure you message us, right, Ev, if you have any That's questions, right. concerns, ideas. Yeah. And get your butt to mise en place for some foie gras. Ev's going, aren't you? That's right. <laughs> Going to go enjoy the best meal of my life. <laughs> there you go. On me. You guys enjoy your hand. Marianne, welcome to Stick a Fork in It. We're so excited to have you join us. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I love what you guys are doing with this podcast. It's good for food. It's good for guests. It's good for the community. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. You know, we had Marty on for, he had the Marty Blitz Award with Epic Chef, but you really can't have Marty on without having Marianne. You know, you guys, (laughs) how many years have you guys been partners again? Well, we will... Mise en place will turn 37 in September, which is not too terribly far away. Mm-hmm. And so we've known each other for over 40 years and have been collaborating all that time. I know. And I find it so interesting. You guys were married at married one time for, as well. Yeah. Yes. Divorce, Absolutely. stay partners, the brilliant stays together and the friendship shines on, right? Yeah, I, I really believe we were brought together to create Mise en Place. You know, it's just been an absolute partnership and collaboration. And, you know, there I truly, after all these years, there is no one that I would rather have as a partner and in the back of the house and the kitchen side, um, both both because of his commitment to what we're doing and, and then just his raw talent. You know, and obviously I have seen him. I mean, I knew him in his apprenticeship going all the way through where he is now. So I have seen, you know, an an awful lot. And I I saw his podcast and I talked a lot about Chef Milo Sahelka that he trained under and it was a journey. It was an absolute journey and it's still a journey. And I'm glad that that Chef Marty and I are on it together. Yeah, that's such amazing. It's such an amazing story about uh, true friendships and relationships can kind of survive things. If if it's, first of all, it's meant to be and if you put your mind to it. So you... You guys got together for the first time, started working together in New York. Were you guys in New York? Where were you? No, he, he was in New York. When he got to Detroit and did his apprenticeship is where we met. I was at Theater Major, so I was a server there at the restaurant, and that's where we met. He was apprentice. I was a server. Okay. That's how we got together. Yes. So how did an apprentice and a server become this iconic tam- uh, couple, culinary couple in Tampa Bay? Like, how did you end up, you were a server, how did you end up over and beyond that? Well, you know, I grew up in the business, actually. My parents either managed or owned a restaurant my entire life. I wanted to get out of the business. I ended up getting this theater degree. I had all these ideas of a variety of things that I wanted to do, and then I married a chef. And it just seemed like, okay, clearly this is the plan. This is what I'm supposed to do. And there is certainly something theatrical about the restaurant and hospitality business. And we are certainly putting on a production every night. So it really, there are, 
combined skills from just watching my parents go through running and owning restaurants, et cetera, for so many years growing up. And then also being and working in their restaurants and then other restaurants. And then, you know, having the training that I did in theater, it's like, you know, you kind of put all that together and said, you know, let's do this. There's a tremendous amount of creativity in all aspects of our industry, not just in the kitchens. And so the ability to put that together, the opportunity to be able to use that creativity is really, you know, what's, what's kept me in, you know, I love the business side of it. It's the hospitality, the service, and the mentoring that is what keeps me going. So you mentioned your parents. I'm just so intrigued by that. Um, you know, let's go back to when you were with them before even Marty was even a, an, in your imagination. Um, yeah. What was home life like owning restaurants? And, you know, were they the type that you still had that meal around the table or was everybody stopping what they were doing at the restaurant? What was that like? There were no home meals at the table. By the time I came around in the, in the, I'm the youngest uh, of the family, there were no meals around a, a family table or rarely there were meals around a restaurant table. I mean, I went to the restaurant after work. I did my homework in the corner booth. I fell asleep in the private dining room. I thought you walked into every refrigerator. I, you know, I was used to, you know, a big dishwasher. I mean, all of those kinds of things. I mean, I just, so it is very natural for me. I mean, to this day, the dining rooms of my restaurants are as comfortable to me as the living rooms of my own home. And for a long time, almost more so because you just spend more time here. So I really inherited a lot of my mother's natural love of hospitality. And then my dad's bean counting head is sort of the combination of of what I ended up with. That that is what I bring to the party, shall we say, in this (laughs) restaurant relationship. So would you say that they inspired you eventually to return to your roots or oh, with the ab- complication? No, a- absolutely. They were absolutely inspired me to do this. I mean, they taught me, I, I truly believe that they taught me what I know that has been successful. My mother taught me that the customer is always right. And my dad taught me that every dime, nickel, penny matters in this business. Mm-hmm. And I have used those two basic philosophies to turn them into larger philosophies and ways of working. Those things are a part of our mise en place on a daily basis. So when you guys are in that restaurant, it, do you have like a favorite memory of being a child and, and eating with your family? Yeah, you know, I do actually when what what would be fun would be when the restaurant was closed and we would be able to come in in the afternoon and make something in this big kitchen where, you know, everything was closed and, you know, you had a chance to get together and you'd be, you know, cooking in this big kitchen and then, you know, go out to a table together and and Mm -hmm. have dinner. But the part being in the kitchen and cooking part and the, you know, being the, the, usually I was at, at my age, it was the dishwasher, you know, I mean, I would like clean up, you know, the dishes as other people were cooking and things like that. Being able to be a part of that in the closed restaurant, those were the, the, the kind of special times. Unique times. Not everybody gets yeah. that wonderful experience no. cooking together like that in the kitchen. Yeah. Right. Very, very unusual. Right. But that was, that was my life. I mean, that's really what I knew and it's why I'm so comfortable in restaurants, I think. Right. It's really almost like you don't know any different. Uh, what type of food did your parents' restaurant create? 
Well, this was back, I mean, the, the thing that I will remember most and the place where I grew old enough to actually become a part of real service was, you know, that cuisine in, we're talking here, the 70s, right? So this was, you know, continental cuisine. Um, it was the, you know, taking the French and European cuisines into a higher, you know, into a, American food, right? So it mm-hmm. was, you know, prime rib and lobster and fillets and, you know, that kind of thing. And Caesar salad and like mm-hmm. the chef place where Marty and I met, Caesar salad and Dover sole and things like that were done table side, right? And so I learned those things in mm-hmm. my parents' restaurant and that kind of, you know, fine dining, but with those types of, those types of food. In those that, that's all my favorites. I don't know about you, Ev, but everything she just said, I'm in. Um, so I want you to still stay back in time and you are taking a bite of something that's your favorite. What is it? Back from those days? Oh boy. Um, what would evoke emotion and memory? Well, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to laugh at me, but one of the things that we used to make when we were in the kitchens there was my mom made this lima bean casserole that was made with this number 10 can of tomato soup and meatballs and lima beans. And I was a kid, but I loved it. And to this day, if someone asked me, my niece just came down and cooked for me. And she said, what do you want? I said, I really love that lima bean casserole that grandma used to make. And she made it for me. So uh, it sounds actually delicious. All the blends of the. Yeah. It was, I, I need to try this, Marianne. Simple, simple thing. But I, I, remember it. I can see her, you know, sauteing the meatballs in this huge pan on this big stove and opening up a huge can of tomato soup and <laughs> cooking it down. And yeah, so. that sounds really de- unique and delicious. I love that. So, you know, you have been with Feeding Tampa Bay for a really long time. Can you share your introduction to Feeding Tampa Bay? I actually can. Um, there is a gentleman named Wally Anderson that I still keep in touch with about what's happening at, at the food bank, um, who was involved in a gentleman named Gene Heath, who I met. And they were so sincerely passionate about the mission of feeding those that needed to be fed that I caught on to that passion. And it had always been sort of the the tension that was in my own being was that, you know, I practiced my craft and we practiced our craft feeding folks in our fabulous restaurants, right? And these beautiful places where people were coming to celebrate and these amazing meals. But then what about the people that weren't able to come to our dining chairs? What about the people that were not sitting in those chairs? And so we always had a philosophy from the beginning that part of our mission had to be to feed those people that couldn't show up in our dining room chairs. And so when I met these folks, it was then called the Divine Providence Food Bank. And I I was like, this is it. This is our chance to make that happen, to make this dual effort for the rest of our careers happen. And so I got involved. You did. And I know that you, from a, even a leadership perspective, you became so um, passionate about the food bank. My gosh, you were on the board of directors for a number of years. Yeah. Like, I think I was chair for like eight years until, until finally it made sense for things to move along. And it's really what happened was when we had some struggling times, you know, um, as, as I'm sure, you know, Every, many organizations do. Certainly, you know, this one did. And we needed to move to that next place. And there was an event then called Taste of the NFL, which was an event that was done in every 
um, during Super Bowl, every mm-hmm. NFL, wherever the Super Bowl was, right? So it, one of the times that it came to Tampa Bay, left, I believe it was like $240,000 in their contribution here. And that was that seed money that allowed us to move to the new warehouse. And then new people came into leadership. And then it just took the top off. And then of course, now, you know, Thomas Mance and Kelly and team are really taking the top off. And, and now it's a whole nut level of inspiration. I mean, as I was inspired way back then, when this was a small group of people that said we can make a difference by creating a food bank here. And now what we're doing is we can really solve real problems in our society. That's what's happening now. It's just, it's as amazing then as it was now and, and vice versa. So um, yeah, so I've stayed involved. Our, you know, we early, you know, creating fundraisers, of course, you know, I came from my business. So the notion of being able to create some events and do some fundraisers is how I really then I think made the biggest impact is starting to, to share my passion then with other people in the community who I met through my restaurants, which is, you know, the, the restaurants are just an amazing vehicle to be a part of the rest of the community. And that was one of the examples. We reached out to the clients we knew and we said, let me tell you about this project and people got involved. I'll never forget the Furmans giving us our first $15,000 sponsorship and, and helping us to create one of our first dinners. That was, you are the founder, from what I understand from our team, of Fork Fight that still happens today and made the, generated the most dollars in history this year, over $300,000 at one sit-down event. You know, it's amazing, isn't it? And you started it. Like, I kind of have chills. I'm like, well, so do I, because, you know, but but what you do is, you know, you you share energy, you know, you share energy around a subject and other people pick up on it. And I'm just, I can just think of all the amazing people over time that have participated in doing this. And it, it just goes to show you that if you're willing to give of yourself, you know, it may be money, it may be time, it was art, it was creativity, it was you know, whatever it was, people were willing all these years to give to something and then look at the momentum. You know, it goes to show you if you're willing to get started, first of all, but then you're willing to keep going. Mm-hmm. You know, the momentum now is just tremendous. It is. Oh, it's just, it and was so, quite, so exciting this year. Yeah, it was, it was su- such a great event. Uh, we have on our YouTube where you can see uh, what went on there uh, at Feeding Tampa Bay's YouTube. Um, but it, it's just an iconic event in Tampa Bay. And thank you for starting it yeah. and having that vision and all those wonderful connections where you invite peers of your own uh, to join alongside you and help make sure people have healthy food. I looked up the definition for mise en place. And there's an entire meme. There's, and, and I want you to go into detail, but it's a meaning. It's a, there's a meaning. There's a lifestyle. It's a thing. And it's not just the name of your restaurant. Can you tell us more about mise en place, what it means to you? Absolutely. I'll I'll tell you, first of all, when Marty was the one that wanted to name the restaurant mise en place, and it was partly because of what Chef Miles had drilled into his head, mise en place, mise en place, mise en place. And I was thinking, oh, man, we're going to name it mise en place. I mean, these are back in the days of the yellow pages, okay? This is the 80s, right? And I'm thinking, people aren't going to know how to spell it, so they can't look it up. You know, they're right. going to think that we are strictly French cuisine because it's a term from the French and we weren't, were everything rooted in the French as all great cuisine comes from, but that's not 
you know, what all of our cuisine is. And I thought it's just going to be confusing, but he was so passionate about it. And one of the lessons I learned in business there is that if you're going to be an independent entrepreneur, having something that you are so passionate about to drive you can make what might seem like a dangerous decision great because if it matters to people, you're gonna, it's gonna matter to others. It matters to you, it's gonna matter to others. And so it did. And it now has become really a driving force in our lives and it has become a thing. I mean, we talk all the time about do you have your mise en place? Is it you got your mise? You know, whether we're starting a project, we're starting a night, it's a recipe, it's an event. Do, are we ready? Do we have our mise en place? And that includes, you know, both product and, and the setting, but it also include, includes you, your mentality. Do you have your mise en place? Is your head on straight? Are you clear? What do you need to do there? And out in the world now, I mean, people have taken it to, you know, mise en place in their lives, you know? Right. It's a kind of organization, though, that is more than just about getting organized. It's about having a through line. It's about having figuring out what the purpose is and then attaching everything to the purpose. And so when we talk about doing anything, I will say, you know, well, where's the mise in that? Meaning what is it connected to? Random things, they can be great ideas. You can have random creative ideas, but if they're not connected to something and they're not on that through line, then they don't really have their mise in this scenario and they'll never be as successful. I mean, they might do okay. I don't know. Mm-hmm. They'll never be as successful because they're not being fed by that core, you know, of what is this connected to. And we do that when we do a cocktail list, a wine list, a dish, a room, how you're setting it. What does it look like? It all has to be connected to something. And it also keeps you from doing just random ego things, right? You know, because it says, oh, I want this. I want to, I want to see myself do this. I want it. it keeps you from doing that kind of thing because it all connects back to the, the foundation of things. And, and I think that's, that's a part of the mise en place, but it's one of the first things that we teach anyone that comes to work for us front back of the house, no matter where it is, is, you know, what's that, what's that place that you work in? What does it look like? And that's everything from your station to your head, right? What does your head right. look like? So, right. And you talk about that, that you do this in the restaurant and that, you know, you guys have together have mentored so many incredible chefs, chefs that have moved on to start their own brands that are having success, uh, receiving awards that really loop everything back to being at Mise and Plaza. We're going to have a, a chef of yours on in a few moments, uh, Chef Ben, that he's out at the Dewey. Tell us a little bit about Chef Ben's history and then we'll hear from him. You know, it's interesting. I actually love listening to Ben talk about his Mies experience and what Mies en Place has meant to him. And I have some other folks that work at the Dewey, uh, Wayne, who's going to be Chef Wayne, who's actually going to be cooking next week. Okay, he's at the Dewey. He works for Chef Ben. And when I hear the two of them talking about, you know, this is how we do it, and this is how we learned it at Mies, and this is the purpose, and this is why it happens. I mean, Ben really adopted the core of this. It spoke to him. He was an art major that then got into cooking. And so the, the, again, the core concept of this mise en place and what it means and it being a way of working and thinking and acting, he just really adopted it. And he has taught it to, you know, then he got Wayne who'd also worked at mise en place that came over to the Dewey. And so, you know, they're just really turning it into a culture there as well. And it's, really fun to listen to him talk about it 
and it's really enjoyable to see what he creates because of it. Well, let's, no further ado, we're going to introduce you to Chef Ben. So, Ev, we were just with Marty Blitz. The Marty Blitz Award was given out, right? Mm, and then I right. know we have Misa Plus coming in for the All-Stars for Epic Chef. But when we talked to Marty, we talked about mentoring folks. And Marianne thought it would be amazing for us to interview Chef Ben and let him share his story. Because I think he was one of the OGs. Welcome to the show, Chef Ben. How's your day? Oh, hi. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Um, so far, so good. We're rolling out a new menu tonight. So oh. I'm in the thick of it, as always. So let all of our viewers and listeners know where you're at right now. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm in uh, Paso Grill, uh, sunny Paso Grill, Florida, St. Pete Beach. Uh, yes, at the Dewey at the Beach Dewey. Restaurant. Okay. I'm sorry. What's the name of the restaurant? The Dewey Beach Restaurant. The Dewey. So tell us about your mise en place story. It seems like everybody, they've been around for so long, everybody has a mise en place story of some sort. Yeah, um, everyone's worked there at some point. And um, it's not uncommon for certain people to work for Marty and Marianne for a very long time. Um, I think I've been with them about 10 years at this point, although I took a couple of breaks here and there. Um, so... I think I started working for them somewhere around 2013. I don't know if that sounds right to you, Mary. I can't even remember that's anymore. That's about right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I took a, a short break uh, where I moved out to the West Coast for about a year. And um, when I moved back, they built this uh, glorious restaurant, this beautiful building out here. And I've sort of been stuck on the place ever since. It's home now, huh? Yeah. Yeah, so it's a, it's a beautiful Marty, place to land. Sorry. Awesome. One thing that Marty shared with us is um, sometimes you switch, you go around, but you you gain experience from every place you go. So tell us about learning uh, with Marty and Marianne, but then what, what did you learn from going out to the coast? So start with Marty. Um, well, I mean, I think I always had an interest in working at Mise en Place because of just its you know, reputation in the community. And at the time I was sort of uh, desperate for some acumen of my own. Um, so it, it seemed like the right place to go to get to the next level in my career. And um, I think as soon as I got an opportunity to get in the door there, I was, I've sort of been on it ever since. Um, and I think, you know, I worked, in the restaurant proper for several years um, and just did the sort of line work there, um, which was really just getting sharpening my teeth uh, because my skill level needed some work at that point. Um, and then um, when I sort of felt like I had a sort of a good understanding of how the restaurant operated, I wanted to move out into um, their catering division. So I went and worked at their space um, at the Tampa Museum of Art for a while and um, did a lot of high-end event work, which I think gave me another whole set of experiences moving from working mostly with Chef to working with Marianne and her knowledge of um, high-end event service. Um, and then when I went to the West Coast, I think I just needed some time off, uh, really, just away from the business. I didn't cook at all. I sort of did odd jobs and handyman work and stuff like that. Um, but I think I got to a point where 
I needed to kind of clear my head because I had been going on for seven or eight years doing really fast paced restaurant work. And I kind of wanted to figure out um, what was next. So then when I came back to Florida, um, I think it was just sort of kismet that they had this fabulous restaurant built here and that it needed someone to sort of um, look after it and nurture the food program and sort of, um, I think my strength in that has been uh, working a lot with Marty and sort of knowing what the value system of the original restaurant is and being able to bring it out here to pass a grill and sort of translate it into a more casual environment. Um, and that's been the real joy of it is like taking a lot of the things that I learned from Marty and then um, creating some form of simulacrum, you know, for mise en place in a, a place that's a lot more casual than downtown or South Tampa. But still is creative and the flavors, flavors are amazing. Uh, when you sat yeah. down with us, you said you were getting a new menu together. Can you share the types of food that you're creating there at the Dewey? Um, yeah, I mean, we've been sort of trying to work on that organically. We've learned a lot as time has gone by and obviously we had COVID and hurricanes and all sorts of other biblical plagues that have happened over the years trying to get the place open. Um, but I think, you know, trying to find what the style and spirit of the food here should be. Um, and really like what we should do, uh, during season when we have a lot of travelers here and then what we should do during the summer, um, when things cool off a bit and the weather gets obscenely hot and then we have, you know, more like the local crowd, uh, looking in on us. Um, so, so now we working... challenged Shannon, uh, Ev, now I've challenged Chef Ben to create new menus every few weeks out at the Dewey. And we're doing something now for our summer program called Discover the Dewey in the Summer, which, you know, changes the cuisine to be even lighter and just, you know, easy and as interesting as ever, but also giving people a chance to come back, our locals to come back again and again over summer because it's a different kind of business. And because, again, we're just responding in so many ways to our climate. Um, and so, you know, Ben certainly experienced an ever-changing menu at Maison Place when he was here. He can talk about, you know, what it was like when Marty wrote a new menu and how you just, you know, went off on and figured it out and made a dish and, you know, collaboratively made a dish. And so he's doing that now um, for the summer program there, giving everybody new chances to, to experience the Dewey in new ways. Um, so what's an example of something on that menu currently? Uh, well, we're putting it out tonight, so <laughs> nothing's exciting. actually been plated yet. Um, but, uh, you know, it's sort of, uh, we're going to have like a sort of theme uh, for each one that kind of runs throughout the menu. Mm -hmm. And so this is sort of um, like pan Latin cuisine, Spanish food, um, you know, uh, Santa Fe and New Mexico has always been like a big inspiration for me as a cook. So um, I think, you know, that's part of the inspiration for this menu that we're doing tonight. Um, I think the plate that I really like that we're doing is a um it's like a grilled uh salmon um that we're doing on sort of a um, succotash made with peruvian uh colossal peruvian corn mm -hmm. and we're serving that in a uh, zucchini gazpacho uh, with some grilled spring onions and some crushed marcona almond wow and, uh, that sounds delicious just fresh summery stuff that's what yeah. we're trying to do 
all of all of the different locales that I'm going to be using for inspiration this summer um, have you know that extremely hot climate that we're enjoying right now. So <laughs> sort of stuff to cool off to. So Strav, tell us a little bit uh, about what it's like to work under someone who has um, created such a reputation uh, in the in the area, and maybe some of the things that you learn from him or the top things that he influenced you uh, with? Um, well, I think the first thing when you go to work for a James Beard winning chef, the important thing, at least the success that I've had in it is realizing that you're never right about anything <laughs> and <laughs> that, and really just get yourself into the headspace where you're open to constructive criticism and uh and and willing to learn you know i think the willingness to learn and be open uh to new information is sort of that's the crux in this business if you can't work your way past it like it i don't think that being prideful is really terribly helpful so i knew going into it that i had a lot to learn um the way that marty at least at the time it, it's been a while since i worked for him um directly but at the time he would make changes sort of like every week he would have a handful of changes that he would make to the menu. And so when you came in, he would give you a slip of paper that had the new plates on it. And that was all the direction that you really got. So then you had to go figure out how to make a vine this vinaigrette. You had to figure out how to make this side. And there were other like great cooks there. You could ask them for direction. Um, and then you would sort of make it and Marty would tell you, if it was good and it made sense or if it wasn't and what was wrong with it. And uh, mm -hmm. he's very honest, which is helpful when you're trying to learn a lot in a short period of time. Um, and so we're sort of operating the same way here. Now I've taken that and sort of um, like, I like to work with my cooks the same way, um, like involve them in the conversation, at least mm -hmm. maybe not um, like holistically, but like allow them to have ownership over their own part of it and um, focus on individuals that um, have the palate and like the um, appropriate mindset to like work in that environment and take some ownership over the things that they're making, because it's really like a lot of interesting stuff comes from that. Uh, and I know that like when I was doing preparations for Marty's menus, um, I was able to glean a lot just from the trial and error of it, you know? Um, so I try to incorporate that in how we do business here. It, it certainly is a lot easier for the cooks. I like, they're all really excited about the summer menu format because they're excited by the idea of, you know, making a lot of new fresh preparations all the time and trying out new plating. And, um, and I think that sort of engagement is really important and really something that's disappearing from the restaurant scene. And probably why I've been with um, Mise en Place restaurants for so long, because it's sort of a last bastion for that, in, in my view, you know, real chef driven culture from like from the bottom up, you know, and, and engagement with everyone involved in the restaurant, you know. It's well, and I think, too, respecting it as an art, right? Respecting it as an art from the start. It sounds like you were brought up where it's almost like an epic chef every week or so where he's bringing something into the table that you don't know what's coming your way. And it's like, figure it out. Let me, let me see how you do. 
Um, that's a lot of pressure to live under, but I also feel like it's allowing, I mean, chefs are artists, you know, you do these magnificent things with flavors and it's giving you the freedom to learn. When we talked to Marty, we talked about, um, the show, the bear that everybody's watching. Right. And, and, you know, how that gentleman learned in a very, um, intense and insulting environment. And I guess that was Marty's first experience. And we asked him if he trickled down a little bit, was it so rough? And he was like, I, I don't, I think so. Mm-hmm. He was really funny about it. So it seems yeah. like get better. And now you're moving on to your own kitchen and allowing the creativity and uh, for your up and coming chefs to have a voice. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I haven't seen the second season of The Bear. I, I watched the first one, and I would love to find $400,000 hidden in tomato cans or whatever it is that <laughs> happened there. But, um, you know, with Marty, I think, um, you know, Marty is like is stern, but but respect is very important to him. And that's both, both given and received. You know, I think over the years, we've always had like a respectful relationship. And that's always been the baseline for everything. It's sort of, um, you can't, the other thing I'll say too is Marty's not a terribly complimentary person. And I actually really appreciate that about him because when he does say something nice about your work, like you really know that he means it. Uh There's like a lot of flattery in this business and the compliments aren't really terribly helpful. Um, I mean, I always appreciate it, but you know, it's, it's the negatives that you learn and grow from, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, Marty will always tell you the truth. He, he comes into the restaurant now and tries things and he'll be really blunt with me about it. And I find that helpful. You know, a lot of people find that threatening, but I never have. I've always really appreciated it. Um, so. Well, that sounds like a very cool life lesson that people can take is just, you know, being respectfully honest, not wasting anyone's time helps them grow even better. Chef Ben, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to have to come out to the Dewey and try that new menu. It sounds amazing. Yeah, the come on by. Dish. We're working on cool stuff. We would love it. Thanks. Can't wait to come over. Thanks for joining Thanks us. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. And we're back. So we just finished talking to Chef Ben. Marianne, you guys have for me it started in the 90s with the restaurant that you're sitting in coming to your restaurant and really experiencing really good wines for the first time i've learned so much from being younger and learning about good food and good wines and um oh i told ed he's got to go and have but i'm gonna take it i'm taking him to visa yes come on we want to entertain you Oh, it's so, it is so, I love it. I would have it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner at at times, but there's more than your restaurant there. You know, we know you guys started in a garage, like, like it's such an incredible story and you guys can listen back to our our part one. Uh, This is part two, Um, but tell us about the brands that have expanded um, past that red, that catering bin restaurant. And then now you have even more. Yeah, you know, we're, we've become a small hospitality company, but we are still, you know, so much just us and we're still really independent. It's all done by us. You know, it's one of us. Someone's got to be passionate about it. That's why it's so great having Ben at the Dewey, because somebody's got to be passionate about it or, 
you know, it's not happening. Um, David Myers, who is manager here at Mies now, was at our airport location. So right now we're, we, we call it the mothership. Mies en place here on Kennedy Boulevard and Grand Central is called the mother the mothership. Um, but we have the Dewey Restaurant, which is located at the Berkeley Beach Club, our little small foray into the uh, hotel end of our hospitality, uh, travel and tourism business with the rest the Berkeley Beach Club is a small 12-room boutique hotel with a beautiful rooftop bar that has amazing views. And the Dewey is the ground floor restaurant there serving dinner and brunch, fabulous brunch on Saturday and Sunday there. Um, we also have the Cafe uh, Mise en Place at the airport, which has been a really fascinating experience. And I think, you know, being a part of what has happened in the airport over the last few years is amazing. But what's really cool about being at the airport is that literally you're meeting people from all over the world yeah. all the time. And you're giving them a chance to take a little mise en place from Tampa Bay back wherever they're going. You know, they take a story, they take an experience, they take a palette memory back wherever they're going. And that's why we really, really love being at the airport. So that's that's the portfolio right now. We're still doing, you know, catering, as you said, was the beginning for us. And we are still doing that work. Uh, we do, of course, a lot of private dining and event work, both at the Berkeley Beach Club, Dewey, and at Maison Place. But we also, you know, doing off-premise events. We have, you know, like right now we're, we're working on planning a New Year's Eve wedding for some folks that are the sun and his fiance of clients that we've had for probably 30 years. Wow. And that person has, you know, been started coming here as a young kid. We just catered a rehearsal dinner for someone who literally started dining with us when he was six months old, you know? Wow. So it, there's something cool. Yeah. There's something cool about being around for that amount of time because you celebrate people's life experiences with them. And it's, it's really meaningful. It adds a level of meaning that, I, I think we're very blessed to have in this business um, that you don't get in a lot of other industries. There is something very that nourishes us at the same time we're nourishing others in a meaningful way. And that's what Marty and I both still love. And that's really why we're still doing it. I mean, that's and growing sure. and just incredible at it for almost how many years now? 37 in September. 37 years in September. <laughs> yeah. And you guys have really been at the top of the list since that opening, opening Mesa Plus, yeah. where you were really the um, high-end experience for Tampa for me as yeah. a young adult. So yeah, we want to thank customers, customers and staff. I mean, you know, we really do feel like we helped a lot of both clients and staff grow up in this industry. I mean, you know, we're talking about Marty has mentored so many people. And then I think about, you know, Ben Carson, who started as a server with me, left here having been manager and wine director and now one runs one of the most important importing companies of Portuguese and Spanish wines to the United States, living in New York City, doing amazing stuff, you know, started as a server. I mean, we can name, you know, Katie Glenn's, David Madeira, you know, they started at Bone Wine Bar. They're both former employees here. I mean, that is really, especially at this stage, I guess, is to be able to look out on the horizons of Tampa Bay, which has become such a great culinary scene, and know that you had something to do with it, and that all that stuff you shared with those people mattered. And, you know, going back around to the food bank, I can picture all of us from all of those years doing one event or another, one fort fight or another, and 
I can see us all doing it. And how much those events, I used to have a staff person that's also off doing great things now, started as a server, was a manager that used to say at those events for the food bank, yeah, it's this stuff that brings us together. It really is. And those that you guys have mentored now on their own, when they have their own brands, they're building their own companies, give their time and, and treasure to the food bank and join us for Epic Chef. Every year in eight years, we have had someone who was trained at Mise en Place mm -hmm. uh, compete at Epic Chef. It's, it's just amazing that the, um, really the culinary imprint that you have put on our community and continue to do so and keep that bar uh, raised for everyone else. Um, so in closing, our time is wrapping up. In closing, we always kind of ask this question because it, I find it interesting, right, Ev? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so you go ahead and ask the question, Ev. You've been kind yeah. of quietly listening to these. We're talking about the old days that when I used to go to the pizza bar. <laughs> right. Our well, shared experience. See, that's Ev. That's why you have to come dine with us because then you know we have the same shared experience. Right. All right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And and the question kind of ties in well to that, because it, it is about, you know, you kind of having people uh, around for a meal. So, you know, if you had a table uh, with space for four people and you're one of those people and you can invite any three people from past, present, future, you know, anywhere in the world, um, what three people would you want to share an amazing meal with if you could? OK, I I I have an answer, but. Um, after talking, I'm hoping I can give you two separate answers just um, <laughs> we'll, we'll allow it. <laughs> because the conversation that we've had today is what inspired the, the second answer. And my first answer is there's four people plus me, right? Uh, well, three plus you, okay. ideally. Three, three, three plus me. You might okay, be able to so pull four, up a chair if you, if four you people, need to. No, that's fine. Four people total. I, that, right. I, I can do the math. <laughs> <laughs> it would be interestingly and frank. You know, maybe as an adult spirit, I, I, when I was in my theater degree, I played her. And so I studied the, her and her spirit a lot. And I, and I would love that. Danny Meyer, because I have such respect for him and what he's done in the industry. And we share philosophies about our industry. And Julia Child, because I think she was fabulous. And she was a woman early that did amazing things for women in the culinary arts. Um, so, so that would, would be my, my choice. And then, you know, the second thing would be only three of us though, would be my mom and dad at a table with today, with them being able to see everything that happened yeah. since they what helped they, us started. What, what they started. Yeah. Yeah. Those would be, those so, would be. And finally, what would you serve? Well, I know mom and dad is going to be the, the casserole. With it is. The lima beans, yeah. That's right. <laughs> it's going to be the lima bean casserole. Um, right. And, and then the, the other, I don't cook at all, like zero, okay? Mm -hmm. So I would ask Marty and Ben to make whatever they wanted to because I never tell a chef what to cook. <laughs> there you go. That's probably good advice. For us. Yeah. Two lessons for us. Never tell a chef what to cook mm -hmm. and find your me's. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's yes. really important. Thank you, Marianne. Yes. We love and Thank appreciate you. all of your work for being with us at Feeding Tampa Bay for so many years and loyally still staying beside our, our sides. We thank you. Well, thank you for the amazing work that all of you creative folks are gathered there together doing right now. It is inspiring. So blessings to all of you. Continued good stuff. 
Likewise. Thank you. You as well. Can't wait to see what's next for me and Floss. You can learn more about Feeding Tampa Bay and how to join the movement at feedingtampabay.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, and TikTok at Feeding Tampa Bay. <laughs>